I'm Riker, and this is Pilot. All right, so uh, a woman throws a banana in her purse. Okay, and, you have my attention. <laughs> and the vibrator in her purse says to the banana, and her, let me start over. Okay, so a woman <laughs> puts her, uh, I don't really remember how it starts. So- <laughs> <laughs> that is evident. <laughs> um, okay, so a, uh, let's start over. So <laughs> a banana and a vibrator are I see I don't know why they're together. That's the part that I'm having a hard time with. Like why are these two things together? So <laughs> a banana is placed Yeah, let's do a purse. I think this makes perfect sense. A banana is placed into a purse right okay. next to a vibrator. Sure. Okay. The vibrator says to the banana, "Hey man, what are you doing here?" And the banana No, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> the banana needs to be there first. <laughs> Let's make it a cupboard. So, <laughs> for some reason, a banana and a vibrator are placed next to each other. <laughs> the banana says to the vibrator, Hey, homie. And the vibrator says, Holy shit, a talking banana. Here's why that joke's hilarious. <laughs> well, please explain it because the best jokes really require that extra explanation. Sometimes the best pilots happen the sixth episode in. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's what's <laughs> hilarious about this joke. Obviously, the juxtaposition of a banana and a vibrator leads the uh, the listener to believe that they're in for a dirty joke. Mm. Mm-hmm. 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 Subversion of expectations. He just threw a pen <laughs> on the floor. A good pen, I might add. I know. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I had to work with what I had. Subversion of expectations. Um, it's actually a kid's joke. It's a charming kid's joke about a talking banana. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're starting with jokes today uh, as a lead-in to our review of HBO Max pilot episode of Hacks. With Gene Smart uh, and the other girl whose name I forgot to look up before we started. Mm, yeah, that's probably the thing to do um, in general, but I have it pulled up. Hannah Einbinder? Oh. Einbinder. I remember seeing that and remember being like, yeah, I'm not going to know how to pronounce oh, that. Yeah. Do you want to do your several takes on it? No. Yeah. With <laughs> Einbinder? <laughs> with Gene Smart and Ayn Rand. Einbinder. Hannah, Hannah Einbinder. <laughs> With Gene Smart and Hannah Einbinder. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I haven't, I'm not looking at it myself. I'm, so obviously I'm not familiar with Hannah. Yeah, I'm not either. Yet. I'm, now I am. Yeah. I'm not familiar with work before this. Uh, I think I'll probably see quite a bit of her in her career. So not to be too flippant about it. Yeah, of course. All due respect, Hannah. You're welcome on the show anytime. Absolutely. Welcome aboard. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be our third (laughs) co-host. 
Good and to have you. Our him. seventh celebrity that we've had. Uh, if you want to <laughs> listen to some of the podcasts that we've had with other celebrities, go listen to our old episodes. Uh, you'll just have to poke around and see which ones have celebrities in it. <laughs> I mean, I don't remember. I lived it. Um, when all of my episodes get one one listen, I'll know why. <laughs> they just, first little bit, nope, this isn't it, nope. <laughs> <laughs> this is a lie. Um, oh, no, dear. Look, we have billions of listeners. We can't <laughs> slow our roll just to let every celebrity dominate the program that wants to show up here for a little bit of... Cheap publicity. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Hannah Einbinder, though, you're, <laughs> if that really is your name, you're welcome anytime. Uh, of course. So this is episode six of eight in our HBO Max showdown in which we are helping you, the listener, to determine whether or not you should keep or cancel your HBO Max subscription in case you were doubting your choices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, worthwhile to consider. Well, we live in a streaming world where we, I think we're going to need to make peace with new apps for the foreseeable future will rise and fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we will need to either, we will just take on more and more monthly cost or you're going to prune them. You're going to prune them and then come back to them. So um, been considering pruning HBO Max and uh, maybe we'll keep it. Uh, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, last week we, I was, I was moving toward appreciating it because we were Mm -hmm. acknowledging how far HBO has come from its HBO, its badly branded and badly deployed uh, HBO Go and HBO Now, which also thought had better user interfaces, uh, which turned into HBO Max, and it's considerably improved. And I'm recognizing that even though the beginning of our um, assessment of the app when we're getting to the show uh, is never great, yeah, <laughs> everything's no. too small and too hard to read, and, and that navigation gets a little difficult. Mostly, it was consistent today. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Except we thought that maybe, or at least I thought maybe, that the outline around which episode or show you're hovered over, I think that that's maybe um, like a pinkish color rather than just a white, which would make it easier to distinguish it from like the lighter background shows when it's framing something. Um, but I'm not positive. Like, But the other thumbnails are dimmer. Mm-hmm. So the point is that we're looking at this thinking, are you having an easier time identifying yeah. where your cursor is? Mm-hmm. And we're either getting better at it or maybe they're probably the the uh, copywriter who's uh, also the executive producer at HBO Max um, is uh, imp- improving. They're watching. They're listening to our show obviously absolutely and, yeah, yeah and they're clearly. taking our uh, criticisms because they don't want us to cancel mm-hmm. after all this free publicity that they've gotten to our billions of listeners well you know and and while we're at it um I, I do think that they're stepping up their copyright game a little bit like some of the earlier stuff was really gross um what a great segue inspired segue <laughs> well done oh i think so. the series description of hacks from hbo max is to salvage her waning career las vegas comedian deborah vance is forced to team up with an entitled outcast television writer in this hilariously dark comedy series that was the okay. series description yeah. and our episode description season one episode one there is no line an entitled young writer and a waning comedy legend must put aside their differences to save their careers yeah um, do you have scores for these? 
episode uh, and series descriptions. I would give that a hard nine. A nine? A hard nine. A hard nine. Yeah. Couch points. Oh, okay. Hard um, nine couch points. Do you want to explain your score? Um, I don't want to. I mean, I can't be tasked with explaining it. I don't understand it. <laughs> Justify it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No, I was. Uh, I like that. It, Claire, it. They're both needing to save their careers, mm-hmm. uh, and it's. It makes that very clear. I mean, I'm even listening to that again. It's like, oh yeah, that actually put it really succinctly. Yeah, absolutely. So the episode description uh, is very succinct about what the conflict is. Uh, and the series description, I think, uh, really captures what we're going for. Las Vegas, this is a show. I love shows that take place in a different location than New York or California, in which the location becomes a predominant character mm-hmm. in the show. So this is a case where it's it's critical in its description to somebody. Like, if you don't explain that it's in Vegas, it's like you're not capturing what the Part genre the is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That so, makes sense. So that's crucial. Uh, uh Legendary Vegas comedian. Um, I don't know that they... That one's not in this part. Um, but a, a waning... So a very famous uh, Las Vegas comedian. Um, a famous comedian uh, paired up with a problematic young comedian. So you got like an old yeah. young buddy comedy here. Tells you a lot about the... T- tells you exactly what the tone is. This is a dark comedy. Yeah, very descriptive. You know exactly what you're coming in for and you know exactly what the conflict is that you're facing as soon as the first episode. What more could you yeah. want? Yeah. Except for rhyme scheme. Yeah. And possibly iambic pentameter. Yep, those things. <laughs> I guess that's what I would want. Yeah, okay. But other yeah. than that, super solid. Okay. Um, so for me, I gave it... Um, I gave it 100 for series description and only 10 for episode description. You know, they were serviceable. Um, they did really well, I think, for the most part. The only part I really took issue with in the descriptions was hilariously dark comedy. I think it's hilarious, and I think it's a comedy. I guess I don't even take issue with it. I'm just not seeing it being dark in this one. This is um, not how I think of a dark comedy mm-hmm. either. This is actually exactly how I think of a dramedy. Exactly. It's a lot of funny in it, but it's true life stuff. And I've got I And a dark comedy I feel like is not true life stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that's what makes it dark. It's wow, this is kind of twisted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well yeah, absolutely. So you know, I was looking up on IMDB to see who, you know, all of our characters were because there were a couple of them where we just didn't catch the names and they totally described it as a comedy drama. And I'm like, that is so much more apt. So I did want to dock just like a little tiny bit of points for that, but oh, that's a great it's otherwise point. really like solid. Because it it is a little bit misleading. If you're gonna tell me what the genre is, you better nail it. Uh you're right. I didn't uh take my analysis far enough. Oh, uh, I like what I like the description. Yeah, the description by itself. I thought, wow, you have all the pieces there to Absolutely. a good description. Um, but how well does it describe this show? The the um, source of the show, you mm-hmm. know, the, the company, the production company of the show, doesn't understand, or the well, the copywriter uh, yeah. <laughs> doesn't understand the tone of their own show. Absolutely. I think that's a good point to make, and I would downgrade my score to a soft nine. 
Oh, because it was a hard nine. I was like, the numbers say the same. <laughs> I see what you did there. Hey, everything's made up, and the points don't matter. <laughs> That's true. That's true. All right, let's dive in. Genre. Did they do a good job establishing it? And uh, uh, there was an and. Uh, did they do a good job establishing it? And how long did it take you to determine hmm. what it was? Yeah, I would say that was pretty early on. They led in with... Um, the comedy act we come in on deborah's comedy act and it's eh, you can tell that she's kind of not in the height of the peak of her career that she is funny but she's kind of not not in her finest form exactly so you get the comedy part and then the jokes are a little flat a little flat yeah so how would you describe the genre oh a comedy drama absolutely it was absolutely uh, that's actually fair that if you're going to describe a genre in very general terms, this is a, uh, comedama. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that back. That's <laughs> hilarious. So this uh. is a comedama, uh, one part comedy, one part drama. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. So it does, does the word change if you change that, uh, the mix? So if it's like two parts drama, <laughs> one part comedy. <laughs> so... You know, are you familiar with the term dramedy? Yes. Well, comedama is kind of like that, but... More comical? Just, you know. <laughs> but shrug. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> but it's, you know... Comedama. Anyway, I, I feel this is more of a comedama <laughs> than it is a dramedy. Um, if, like I said, I, would, I want to apply Vegas to... The genre. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like it's part of the genre. Yeah. So, comedy, drama, comedama, uh, mm-hmm. yes, for sure. Uh, <laughs> but I'm seeing a showbiz comedama. Yeah. Uh, and showbiz kind of a subgenre of its own. That's fair. Uh, I would say that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And sometimes it's like Broadway on the stage, or it's uh, Hollywood, and it's cinema, or it's um, about a band, you know? Yeah, it's kind Getting of a famous. view at the creative experience or yeah. process. Uh, and in this case, it's... Showbiz from the point of view of a Las Vegas comedian. Uh, showbiz comedama from the point of view of a Las Vegas comedian. And, and for the rest of us, dramedy. <laughs> well, if you insist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think you get that pretty much immediately. Yeah. I mean, you get her. I don't feel like she was tanking. I think you're right. The jokes were flat. They and were I, flat. And I think I'm remembering later when she absolutely tanks, but it wasn't. It wasn't tanking at the beginning it just was flatter than she normally was mm-hmm. or would assume i would have assumed right it's uh, not her prime and it was funny but if they established in the mm-hmm. very next scene that she's been phoned in and up there for yeah. a while um so anyway but you get that quick and then you go to hollywood right mm-hmm. away and you meet uh ava and the manager yeah jimmy um well, we're dropping character names, so let's dial back a little bit. You have her performance. Yeah. Uh, then a little montage of her on Q- QVC selling her caftans. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You kind of get a montage after that of kind of the nosedive that her career took. Interesting, because I didn't see that as a nosedive, so I think it's interesting that you did. Um, I th- what I saw was she goes performs mm-hmm. by night. By day, she's uh, selling her product line on QVC. Uh, she goes home to her mansion at the end of the night and her Rolls mm. Royce after working all day. So I felt like I saw a very active 
entertainer. Okay, uh, I misunderstood it then. Successful with a lot of other ways she makes money because she's a she's a known brand. So I guess the way I read it, and I totally understand that, you know, my reading is, it seems now that that's probably incorrect, but my initial reading was that, um, it, that it's the sort of jobs you take to fill in when you can't get work, you know what I mean? Hmm. Like, as somebody who hasn't ever performed in Hollywood or whatever, but, you know, like, the comer- when you ran- take the random commercials or the bad acting job or, you know, like, you right. just kind of do whatever you can to keep your name out there. That's kind of what I saw that as because it just felt so random. There was, like, the random Christmas thing. I guess I didn't realize that it was around her brand, though, so that totally makes sense. I forgot about the Christmas thing. Yeah, that one where she's where she's with some hunky guy. Yeah. Ho, ho, ho. He called me a ho. That's yeah. an old lady. That's a horny old lady having a fun time. Okay. Um. I forgot about that one. QVC could have seemed like a downgrade. I guess if you would see her, and I know what you mean, because you're talking about the, hi, I'm Merritt Wallace. Yeah. And I'm here to tell you about investing in gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those burnout old actors who go, goes out there and does uh, paid programming ads. Yeah. And that's totally how I took it. But like now that you're mentioning it, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess if it is her own product line, like if it's some rando's product line, yes, that narrative totally works. Yeah. It being her own, that makes a lot less sense. Well, it is a good, I think it does show a, an entertainer because they mentioned her TV show she used to have with her mm-hmm. husband, uh, which we'll get into that as we discuss the plot. But at a different point in her career, she was a TV star. She was she had other gigs that were maybe more mm, desired. Yeah. Uh, and now, and it it does it is a uh, entertainer in their last act. Mm-hmm. I think that would be fair to say okay. that she sells older women skewing clothing on the Home Shopping Network. Yeah. That she uh, has a residence stay in Vegas now. Mm-hmm. She's not out there touring the country anymore. Yeah. So this is certainly an entertainer in the later part of their career. Yeah. But she does have a, a large brand that uh, is multifaceted and is very busy at her age, uh, especially with, the, with her performance schedule. Because we meet Marty, the casino owner, who I jokingly refer to as Steve Wynn on my card because they make a comment about Steve Wynn. He says, what am I going to do with like 100 pounds of manure or whatever he says to her when they're at dinner? She goes, yeah. drop it at Steve Wynn's front doorstep. Bah! <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, he says, and he's going on telling her, uh, you're the legend you just had 2,500 shows, so it was a major. It was a major milestone. More shows than any other residency uh, yeah. in Vegas. So we're buttering her up. She's big star, big star, big star. Uh, and then, and she's even. They're even naming. So she's one of those entertainers that became a legend in their lifetime. Yeah. Uh, so much so that Vegas is giving her a name, much like Frank Sinatra. You know, the the Rat Pack that that built early Vegas entertainment. Or at least that's how history seems to remember it. Yeah. Um, uh, I just wasn't there. <laughs> okay. I was <laughs> you know, like, wow, yeah, okay. Frank, <laughs> we got something to talk no, about. No, <laughs> I mean, I'm a Rat Pack fanatic. So, right? <laughs> yeah, so, that's why I was surprised. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just saying, I guess I could be I could be leaving large pieces of, of the history out. Sure. But coming at it as a Rat Pack fan, you know, having Frank Sinatra Boulevard. So every time you pass over Frank Sinatra Boulevard, it's like, hell yeah, that's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. I see what you're saying. So she's a big deal. Mm-hmm. She's sharing a street with Frank Sinatra at this point, and it's um, Deborah Vance Drive. 
Yeah. Deborah Vance Drive, and she says, this is in her conversation with Steve Wynn, Marty. <laughs> she says, probably be a dead end with an abortion clinic on it. Yeah, it was great. That <laughs> <laughs> was funny. And, uh, and she's sharp. And it's yeah. like, okay, there's the, the jagged, raunchy sense of humor she has on stage. That's who she is in real life, too. Yeah, absolutely. And then Marty says, after all the lavishing her with praise, hey, by the way, you're too old. You don't fit any demographics that we're trying to pander to anymore. Uh, you hit a major milestone. Why don't you start bowing out? You've been uh, on autopilot up there for years anyway. Yeah, and I will say, that's that's what I noticed in the the very beginning. It's not that she's bombing. That's exactly it. She's just phoning it in. Um, it, and then the montage after that felt like her selling out to me, I guess. So oh, the, the content didn't matter as much. It's now, hey, I'm money, the brand, which is why it was, it, it even more to me seems like that that's the case, that she's rich and she's not doing it for the money. Good point. It, it, she's not incentivized by, I need to make my comeback because, you know, I need to get my break or, you know, whatever it's. She has the money. She wants to, I would imagine, get back into the heart of what she came here to do, which was comedy. Uh, she she truly is on autopilot mm -hmm. because she built a very successful business and Absolutely. has a steady, steady stream of income mm -hmm. uh, and who is now creatively... Uh, the creative well is running dry. Let's say that. Absolutely. And... Uh, to her credit, as a accomplished, successful entertainer, he, Steve Wynn's having this conversation with her, telling her, look, dude, you've made it. At your age, with your lack of interest in what you're doing, he says, you're not even, you're obviously not having fun up there anymore. Mm -hmm. And you're right. I wondered when I first saw it and, and saw it now, is it not funny because the material's just not that funny? Mm -hmm. Which is hard to write comedy and TV shows. It really you is. You killed it out there. And I was like, that was weird. Yeah. That was super weird because it wasn't a real comedy show and it wasn't a genuine response. So it, mm -hmm. it really it isn't stand up comedy. Yeah. It's very hard to fake fake act stand up comedy on television or in a movie. I don't know that I've ever seen that done successfully. Even when they bring in real comedians to do their actual bits, uh, I get very self conscious about it. So seeing this here, it's like yeah, I, I want to see what happens next. I love the Vegas thing. You don't see that many Vegas showbiz shows. Mm -hmm. It's very Rat Pack, so I super dig it. Yeah. Um, or I have an interest, a vested interest in it and wanting to like it. So to see the comedy, it's like, okay, well, I'm a buy-in. It's like I see why that would be funny. I see the kind of female comedians that we're playing on, Joan mm -hmm. Rivers uh, being the one that comes to mind. Is it just not that funny or is she performing flat? Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> what's no doubt a virtue for the writers is that <laughs> – she could, it could be both. Yeah. <laughs> this wasn't that funny, but it doesn't matter because the comedian, the character is performing flat at this point in her career. Well, so her I don't know jokes, how intentional it was, but yeah, I think it was. Her jokes were dated is all. Yeah. It's like they were old domestic household jokes. And so they just don't hold up well, which makes sense why they would pair her with a writer who is young. Mm, young woman. Um, and could, you know, help keep her relevant. Edgy. Yeah, edgy. Ooh, she's very edgy. Yeah, and help keep her edgy who would have been edgy in her time. That's a good point. Because, and I guess I didn't really realize right then that her jokes were dated. Mm -hmm. um, later when she says to Ava, you got to write me 20 jokes by tomorrow. Yeah. And she says, but nothing about pantyhose or the Challenger explosion. I've done them all. Yeah, right? 
dated yeah. jokes. <laughs> yeah, that which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. But you're right. The the jokes, the whole the whole like she hasn't updated her act in exactly. twenty years. Yeah. Right. And it's still like, oh, a woman talking about sex. And it's like, no, no, it's something that's pretty normal. Yeah, we're pretty comfortable with that now. Yeah. What the- else you got? Because it is just raunchy. And I don't mind raunchy. Yeah. But it just, it's just raunchy for the sake of raunchy. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that compelling about it. Yeah. Hence why you're saying the act was flat. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I think you're right. I think it was deliberately written in that way, uh, which is helpful to accept and understand. Yeah. So by the time we're having the conversation with the hotel owner and he's saying, why don't you step back? Mm-hmm. It's really pretty reasonable and it's showing in her performance. Yeah, absolutely. And she freaks out and does this big diva moment and storms out of the restaurant. Well, it, makes, it makes sense. It's a wake up call, I think, for her. I don't, I don't feel like the confrontation, like the conversation was undeserved because like that wasn't something I would necessarily want to go see, you know, especially if... So you've already seen it who 10 times? Who else was available? Oh, Pentatonix. Oh, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, Pentatonix. Yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're pretty good. I would totally go see them. So absolutely, that it's just more relevant to my age group. Hey, there's a new act in town. Mm-hmm. And you've been doing the same act for a long time. Exactly. A long time. A long time. Yeah. You're still doing jokes about the Challenger explosion. Like, <laughs> you are at a date. And why would you do jokes about the Challenger explosion? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, right. She's edgy. She's mean-spirited. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, then we get, of Deborah, mm-hmm. uh, we get her, I'm just going to hit us with some of the uh, things that will venture into plot. Yeah. That will be in- important when we review the plot. Um, good but call. we... She's got a good chemistry with, uh, at first, and it seems to have history with Steve Wynn. Mm, um, yeah, uh, Marty yeah, is Marty. the character's name. And then they refer back to, somebody says at some point, um, oh, it's Ava when her manager's trying to convince her to, to go take a meeting with Deborah. Uh, she says... Oh, I'm wrong. Sorry. It was Jimmy, right? No, no, no. The manager... Their manager, their entertainment manager is Jimmy, the young guy. Okay. Marty is the about. casino. Okay. Hotel that is who you were talking about. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Good, um, good, good. But somebody makes a comment about how didn't she, oh, it was Ava when she's talking mm-hmm. to Jimmy, their manager, and he says, maybe go talk to her about a, a job and we'll get in that. Yeah. Uh, she says, basically, the crazy bitch who lit her husband's house on fire yeah and he says and you said i heard you say nice to me allegedly allegedly <laughs> and he says yes <laughs> <laughs> so on deborah she comes home after working all day she feeds dinner to the dogs she says come eat dinner's ready you're expecting a person to come yeah the dogs come okay corgis. lonely lady yeah lonely lady lives with her corgis and uh after she feeds her corgis mm-hmm. uh, at some point we see her at home. She's taking a bath and signing books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's what she was doing. Yeah. And one of her helpers, one of her staff. Her assistants, yeah. Yeah, I don't know who, what his name was. Yeah, um, I missed it as well. Well, we don't have much on him yet. I think we'll see him throughout, right? Because sure. he's one of, the, one of her handlers, basically. Is, is he the uh, eBay is my bitch guy? Yeah, he's like an assistant that... He's at her house when she's in the bath. So, so he's real tied in with her. He's an executive assistant. Yeah. Or whatever okay. his role is. We don't really know yet. Um, I don't think we know yet. Um, but he's in her inner circle, her entourage. Yeah, I think that's why I thought it was. I'm pretty sure it's this guy. Could be. I, I didn't yeah. catch you said that actually at all. I was writing. 
Yeah, right. Yeah. That's why I didn't catch his face very well. So I couldn't tell you really what he looked like, but he was like the only assistant of hers that really spoke much. So I was like, oh, this has got to be. Okay. I would think. Well, this is the guy that's at home with her. She's in the bath and he comes in and says, he cracks the door open while oh. she's in the bath and says, hey, your sister's on the phone. Oh, she, okay. Yeah. yeah. And she says, how'd she get my number? Which I thought was kind of funny. Not yeah. that it's funny, but it's, you know, she's who she is yeah. and is not on speaking terms with her sister. The sister's calling to tell her that her ex-husband, Frank Vance, the husband with which, with whom she shares a last name. Yeah. Uh, so pre-fame, I would mm-hmm. assume, uh, or early fame or a Sonny and Cher kind of thing, uh, <laughs> uh, has died. It's reported on the news. She goes and watches the news. Um, assuming, I assume this is the husband whose house she lit on fire. Obviously, they had a tumultuous marriage. A, to- a horrid affair. Horrid affair. Absolutely horrid affair. Yeah. Torrid. Um, and he, oh, and we talk about, we learn about in the news, mm-hmm. they're reporting on Frank Vance's death and said he was in this sitcom back in 1973 with his then wife, Deborah Vance. Yeah. So, obviously, a very formative, important character to her in her early life. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the sister who we discover that Frank Vance left her for her sister, which is why she's no longer in speaking terms with her sister. The assistant, whose name we don't know, says, uh, do you want to take the night off? So it's late at night, and she's going to be working, writing jokes or whatever. I don't know what she's doing. She's always working. That's all she's got going on that she's happy with. And uh, he says... Uh, she says, why would I want to take the night off? Uh, later, she makes a comment about one of the other characters we'll talk about and says uh, that Frank Vance had passed away. Uh, and somebody says, uh, sorry. I think somebody says, sorry to hear that. And she says, why? I'm thrilled. So there's a bunch of backstory we get about her and her personal life. We meet her daughter, uh, who's a train wreck. Um, I'm jump. I'm hitting characters because I just want to yeah. get through Deborah and get your input on it. So we get a lot about her her backstory, which I think is also a lot of foreshadowing of where we're gonna go. Um, personal demons, perhaps that she needs to reconcile. Um, that will inform us a lot about who she is and how she thinks. Yeah, that sounds apt. I would I would say so. Really quick, I did look up, um, I, it was going to kill me with what her assistant's name was, and he's actually like the third listed person, so he is, he is going to be important. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the character's name is Marcus, and he's played by Carl Clemens Hopkins. Okay. I yeah. read that. Carl did Clemens you? Hopkins. Yeah, in the credits, because I thought that was a nice sound in it. That was a, right? That was a stately, old-fashioned, uh, heroic name. Oh, I didn't know that it had uh, such significance. No, it doesn't. I just thought it sounded like an old-fashioned <laughs> kind of movie star. Name. Oh, okay. I was like, oh, well, why don't you inform me? Tell me the tale. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds like the name of an important person. Yeah, sure. Like Johns Hopkins. And you say, hello, Miss... Hello, Johns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. John 1, John 2, Johns. Yes. Hello, you two shits. <laughs> kind of mother would name both of her sons John. Mm. <laughs> We've gone on in this one too long. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so we know a lot about Deborah now. Yeah, uh, I would say. We do. And 
We'd mentioned her daughter, asterisk that. We want to talk more about her later, but I think next we must talk about Ava. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you said it was played by Hannah Einbinder. Einbinder? I said that. I mm-hmm. said repeatedly, Hannah right. Einbinder. Mm-hmm. Yep. And this is the first time I've seen her, but she looks familiar, I swear. Um, she's very personable, very relatable character. Um she seems very ditzy and to have uh, I don't want to say like a low self-esteem but she seems like kind of a mess where Mm -hmm. a bit more self-confidence would be the solution even though I don't think that self-confidence you know do you know what I mean like I don't think that she's like no self-esteem but I feel like like some confidence would really improve upon her situation Uh, low self-esteem high self-worth there you go Absolutely, yeah. Nobody's so. as smart or sharp, as funny, as gifted as she is. Mm-hmm. She's totally unprofessional, and she's having a hard time pulling it together to focus her talent and to uh, work on her craft. I feel like she's showing up saying, hey, I'm just so fucking brilliant, um, but can't keep a job, <laughs> and is in a very self-destructive pattern when we meet her. Yeah, well, and she had just come up, like, she's not able to get a job right now specifically because she made kind of a joke that, um, like, she wasn't going at it for a, a joke. Um, you know, even Deborah points out later that, you know, honey, that's not funny. That's not a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, jokes are funny. Um, it, that she was really trying to make a political point. Right. Um, it seems like she kind of has a sense of, where there is comedy but doesn't know how to kind of fully extract it the way that Deborah does because you know to cut to kind of their later scene where they're kind of spitballing back and forth on that joke um the one that bombs her career just totally ruins her career she got um, canceled for it basically. she got canceled for it yeah um they kind of spitball what would have been better she like Deborah crazily chases her down, like runs uh, Ava off of the road in your vehicle to start just coming up with better things, you know, better basically alts for that joke. Uh, yeah, they keep they keep writing it. Absolutely. Right? So uh, let's frame this. Uh, oops, a little bit. Uh, well, I was just so I guess all that for me to say that she is a that's her influence in this show. Yeah. That to me, that's her significance is that she's kind of the she's a witty influence but she really knows where there's comedic gold even if she's not the you know the delivery system itself she should be well she's well what i was going for was to say let's uh let's give it uh, let's establish that scene because it was preceded by a scene that i really thoroughly enjoyed okay i see what you're saying yeah which is and we're we're leaping to the to the end where these two meet. So maybe we'll go back, but I don't know that that's important because we're here. We no, want to talk about the characters. We don't need to talk about this linear. <laughs> Great, linearly. perfect, perfect. Because this was more important. So I was happy that we got there because I think this gets to the heart of of this episode cool. and the show to come, which is when she shows up for the meeting that mm-hmm. uh, slip slippery Jimmy mm-hmm. sets these two up for. Um, she is and Deborah. really quick to clarify that just as a plot point. That's that. He is sending Ava over to be a writer for Deborah, yeah. even though Deborah does not want a writer. She has not asked for one. Right. Jimmy just sends one over, knowing that that's kind of going to be the best thing for both women. Like the description says that they're trying to save both their careers, right? Yes. So, so she calls Jimmy furious while he's meeting with Ava. Mm-hmm. Ava's saying, my career is over. My life is a joke. But, mm-hmm. but this joke isn't funny. 
Uh, Deborah calls and says, Jimmy, you slippery little shit. Um, <laughs> I like that. They're trying to take my dates away and makes a big hootie-doo about la-di-da, right? So he's looking at her like, oh, man, two high-maintenance uh, divas that are in different phases of their career who are both dying on the vine right in this moment. And he uh, slipperishly, in that way he does, uh, concocts a scheme to shove these two together. So he says, hey, she really wants to meet you, Ava. Go down there for an interview. She doesn't want to do it. She didn't have any other options, so she goes down there for the interview. She's bitter. She's upset. Uh, so when she comes in for the meeting with Deborah, who mm-hmm. didn't know she was coming, uh, and is convinced by mm, Mr. Hopkins, her assistant, yeah, he says, look, Jimmy called. Uh, they sent her out here. Just take the meeting. We'll save off Marty for a while. Yeah. The scene where they meet, I actually, well, I don't want to say it like that, like it was a surprise. I thought it was gold. Yeah. Because they have this battle of wit, this this duel of wit that happens, both from their you know point of view, and they're sort of subtly roasting each other, and that sort of bill, and she's on good behavior, saying, I am such a huge fan. She does this ass-kissing thing, trying oh, to get yeah. the job. It's really bad. Yeah. Uh, Deborah, in all of her experience, sees through this bullshit immediately, mm-hmm. calls her out on it, exposes her. Yeah, first line. Do you remember what the first question she asked was to uh, bet how well she yeah, knew? What's your favorite joke? Yeah, that I've done. Yeah. And she's done... What's your favorite joke of mine? Yeah. And she goes, actually, your, your sitcom from 1973. Have you seen it? It's like, I've seen some of it. Clips. You have seen clips? <laughs> I've seen some clips. So when she sends her packing, I love the part where she says, uh, yeah, like, sorry, kid. Good luck with your career. Uh, at least you didn't <laughs> At least you didn't spend too much time researching me. Yeah, didn't waste too much time re- researching me. Yeah, didn't me. waste too much. Yeah, which is really funny because it really calls back to something that they taught, you know, that they teach in high school. And I had a college class that, you know, did like resume prep stuff. And they always teach you to, like, research and, like, read the page before the interview. Like, know everything about the company. Know about the people you're going to interview with. Like, this is what they teach you. And I've always just kind of been like, oh, yeah, that's... <laughs> nobody does that. And then seeing her get shot down like that, I'm like, oh, that's why you do it. Mm-hmm. That yeah. would have been helpful. That would be very embarrassing. Yeah, it'd be good to know what <laughs> all this is. I'm not interested in your company. I just want the money. Yeah, right, I'm exactly. just here for the money. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so she comes and offers nothing unique, uh, but mm-hmm. the the battle, the duel of wit that develops between them, and you see it happening yeah. where they're where they're getting more jagged with each other mm-hmm. and enjoying having a worthy sparring partner. Yeah. And the moment that finally, ca- after telling her to get lost, the moment that catches uh, Deborah's well, I shouldn't say catches her attention, but the thing that cues Deborah to laugh, uh, the line was. I'm going to go live a, leave a stool sample on your lawn. And it's about, because the daughter had come in at the beginning of this scene. Mm-hmm. It was a train wreck. Mm-hmm. And she goes through her purse. Deborah goes through the daughter's purse. And the daughter's played by. Oh, yeah. Caitlin Olsen, who also plays D on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Right. First time I've seen her in something else, I think. Oh, really? She's Maybe also on The Mick. Else, but the Mick? The Mick. I yeah, I've never what... seen it. But okay. I know she's in it. Uh, very famous face. Haven't she's seen hilarious. her a whole lot of things outside of the thing she's very famous from. Yeah. Um, so that's a treat even for me, who's not that, who's only somewhat familiar with It's Always Sunny. You know she's got, like that. It's going to be funny. Exactly. When she's in it. yeah. It's just it's a good clue. Yeah. And then she actually they're setting up for she's going to have a maybe a deeper role than mm-hmm. your 
you sure saying that still allows her to behave like a shit show, which is fun. <laughs> yeah. So uh, she goes to her purse and says, uh, she finds a, a, you know, some pills. Mm-hmm. And she says, it's for my UTI. I've got a UTI. Okay, everybody? Didn't think I needed to telegraph that. So obviously they're seeing what she's got on her. See if she's using again or still. Yeah, right. She leaves the room and this is the beginning of the conversation between Deborah and Ava. And she says, you'll have to excuse her. She has a UTI. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. Because <laughs> she says it, she starts it in a very fake way, in a very formal kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's still Deborah Vance. Mm-hmm. Which is her line that she says in her show when she closed her out of show. I'm still Deborah Vance, I think that's yeah, what it's called. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, so she's still Deborah Vance. Uh, and then the book, the scene is bookended with Ava storming out, saying, oh, do you want to go through my my uh, my purse first? Mm-hmm. Or maybe I'll save the time and just leave you a stool sample in your lawn. And that's what cues Deborah to laugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, that gets her attention enough to chase her down and say, okay, why are you here really? Mm-hmm. So then we kind of get to the core of, my career shot. This is where we get the line. That's the title of the episode. She and she. This is where they start talking about the joke. She makes a joke that offended people about the congressman. Mm-hmm. You've covered that. Uh, and uh, yeah, we didn't really get into it in much depth, though. Okay. So just to, I mean, I don't know. Well, I don't remember the specific joke, but basically, the heart of the joke was that there is a senator who is closeted. Um, so hasn't come out that he's gay, but he has a son who is gay. And is sending the gay son to conversion, conversion therapy. therapy. Yes. Yeah, so she made a joke that's kind of making fun of the hypocrisy in that. Yeah. Um, and again, it was not a funny joke. It was basically pointing out, hey, he is a hypocrite, um, which is all in good fun. But like, you know, make it funny. Yeah. Um, so it was just a harsh comment to say mm-hmm. um, effectively. It was not nuanced. Yeah. Uh, sorry. It was just straight up. The congressman dad sucking dicks in the cloakroom. That's the punchline. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's totally what it was. Thank right. you. Which I thought was fine. It was just crude. Um, yeah, but it wasn't. Yeah, okay. It was all right. It just, it it's, it's not laugh out loud funny, but it is like a, oh, it's a burn. It's an ooh burn. Yeah. Let's get real. I don't think a, a, a Hollywood writer gets canceled for mocking a conservative politician, which yeah. is clearly what it is. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so it's kind of weak. Like, as a plot point, I think it's weak. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's not, it wouldn't be controversial. It's not controversial hearing it now. Um, it, but it, it it's reminiscent of Roseanne, to me, Roseanne getting canceled. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, they put it in a way that's digestible for the masses, I guess. Yeah. Uh, that's how I interpret that. So the joke was nothing to it, but... Uh, that that's the plot point uh, and she says well i guess i crossed the line and uh deborah says there is no line that's the title of this episode mm-hmm. so and i feel like that's kind of her first lesson there is no line uh that joke just doesn't hit hard enough mm-hmm. uh, i might be over the hill but i am a a gold mine of knowledge yeah. uh, that's going to make you a better writer mm-hmm. and and maybe there is something here where she's going to make her an edgier comedian that's going to save her last act. Which we don't get that in this scene because she storms off. Ava storms off all the same. I think she storms off upset. I think there was a last line that upset her. I can't remember. Um, and she's heading out in her uh, Prius. 
And then there's this high-speed chase down her very long driveway because she's a gazillionaire. Uh, cuts her off so that they almost crash. Mm-hmm. Jumps out of the car shouting jokes at her, like like firecrackering jokes at her. And she yeah, goes, what? Like rapid fire. And she goes, that's a better joke. Mm-hmm. And it was not good either. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm really, I was pretty excited to see the development of that joke because it ended up pretty good. It was something along the lines of the, the senator's been in the closet for so long that he's got mothballs in his pockets or something or, you know. The way she said it was much more She amusing. says he shits mothballs. There you go. There you go. And then she ends that on. And, and there was a point leading up to that, like you said, the lead up. I liked that she gives the first joke and says, sending him to whatever is the only thing you're going to convert him into is from a top to a bottom. Now, that's a better joke. Yeah. And I thought, I, like, I don't, like, I actually didn't get it. Maybe yeah. I just didn't get it, but I didn't think it was a great joke. And then she yeah. goes, and then she goes, no, no, no. Keep it on the, keep it on the dad. And to watch the evolution, mm-hmm. to your point, to watch the evolution of a joke, yeah. especially where she's convinced, ah, that's good. No, 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 no. If we crafted it this way, no, mm-hmm. that's a better joke. So, yeah, to watch the development of a joke in this moment was pretty funny. And uh, that's a better joke. And Ava's looking at her saying, okay, thanks for almost killing me to tell me that. Yeah, right. But, Cycle. and then she gives her another version of the joke. She goes, both of those are problematic. Uh-huh. But since we're playing, yeah. what about this? So they can't resist it. So there's clearly yeah. a chemistry here. There's clearly a mm-hmm. magnetism. It's adversarial, but it's already working. Absolutely. Um, Something I wrote down just from their like early argument back when she, you know, references the tassels on the pillow. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of, um, did you ever see Epic Rap Battles? Uh, it's kind I, of a YouTube phenomenon. Yeah, but I can't remember. It kind of reminded me of that, where they're kind of just tearing into each other, mm. very witty, quick remarks back and forth. Um, yeah. yeah, it was fun. I, I could do more of that, absolutely. That was do that all day. <laughs> she goes, what does this have, like 50 tassels on it? Like, Liberace would love this. And yeah. she goes, in fact, he does. He <laughs> ate donuts, like porridge off there, whatever she said. He <laughs> ate caviar off of there in 1987, which is not a great way to win an argument. To yeah. say, I'm so old that I actually talk to Liberace and validate your point exactly. <laughs> yeah, no My dear, Liberace loves this couch. He gave it to me. Or is it more insignificant that you say his name, but I've met the guy. (laughs) And as a matter of fact, he does like it. He super does. Thanks for reminding me of the time he ate caviar on this couch. But she says something about, uh, I'm glad it reminded you the time that uh, Liberace sat on this couch with this loose butthole. It just goes like this. This, The sparring session. And it it was immediate one-upsmanship. And I thought it was a very well-written scene. In a very well acted scene that captured exactly what we're probably coming here for. Yeah. Which is the relationship between these two powerhouses where you got the old bull uh, or whatever you call it when it's women. <laughs> the old bull and the uh, young buck. <laughs> oh, yes. Mm-hmm. 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 You, I don't want to say it's a cow, I think, technically, if it's a woman, but look, like, let's not go there. <laughs> well, it's an analogy, Cancel. right? Cancel. So, <laughs> no, no, but literally, like, she's got she's that role of the old bull that's going to yeah. teach the, the young up-and-comer something. Yeah, that makes sense. And be rewarded for it herself. That's what I'm taking out of it anyway. But we're getting off into other categories. What do you yeah. think of our characters, the way they've given them to us? Um, I think our characters are pretty good. Um, I did want to quick call out... Um, the Jimmy character, um, he's played by Paul Downs, and he's in um, oh Broad City as the most fucking ridiculous character ever. And the gal who plays Janet is in it as well. 
So one of these days, maybe mm-hmm. you should watch it because he is fucking ridiculous. It's really good to see him in something else. What, what was that? No, what network was that on? Uh, that's on Hulu. Oh, okay. I don't know what it started Showtime. on. It's on Hulu. Okay. Um, I think it was something I originally did not have access to because it was Showtime or something, which has some connection with Hulu. So mm. that sounds good. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. Yeah. So is that, uh, is that Sex in the City-ish? Broad City? Um... It's not uh, quite as like crazy as Portlandia, but like I would say, like okay. the guy from Portlandia is in an episode, so I I would say that it gets kind of some influence from it, so despite being a you know. So it's pretty off the wall. It it's pretty off the wall. Okay, cool. So, uh, Sex in the City would not be a show that it shares a lot of theme with. No, okay. no, yeah, it's kind of more just about being a woman, kind of trying to work work it in New York City. They're yeah. trying to you know. Make some money. The hustle. It's all about the hustle. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway. Uh, so, characters. I give them a pass. It, it was really good. I enjoyed them. Would come back for all of them. And, in fact, our two main gals, that's my hook. Uh, I think they're... We're not on hook yet. Um. So, I, I can do it in whatever order I so please. That is the beauty of being a part of the creation of the format. <laughs> That's the beauty of being You're in charge. Squash it whenever you damn well please. Um. Next time I'm leading with Hook. <laughs> Just to spite you. And then we'll end with couch points. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, so I love the characters. Yes. Actually, I think even I mean they're a hard bunch to like. Mm-hmm. I super love Jean Smart. I mean you've seen her in so many yeah. different types of personalities. So I don't see her this way. Mm-hmm. She's I'm I'm into it. She's got yeah. me convinced. I'm sold because yeah. I think she's great. So I want to see her in this role. But there's so many that she's so likable, and then a thousand that she's totally catty and unlikable. Mm-hmm. So. You know, this is just one of the many faces she's worn. So she immediately connects me to the material because I super dig her. Yeah. Uh, and then Ava is, is I don't have the same, I'm not rooting for her. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know Hannah. It, I'm. I'd, 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 <laughs> Einbinder. Einbinder. I don't know Hannah Einbinder. Okay. I do now. Um, so I don't have the history with her, right? Like, I feel like I don't have a relationship with the actress. So I'm, I accept her, you know, she does some introspection Mm -hmm. right off the bat. Yeah. So you have these characters that are difficult personalities, Mm -hmm. um, but they're both seem redeemable. Yeah. And not that there's some big redemption coming. But that they're not exclusively difficult personalities. That they're not totally uh, self-absorbed. They're self-absorbed. But they're not totally self-absorbed to the end that they're not hearing what other people are saying to them. Yeah. they're, they're both wanting to be better. They're very compelling for all of their flaws. Totally. Yeah. But the flaws, they're not, they don't become villainous. Like the flaws are very front and center. Yeah. But they don't become... They're not like trapped by their flaws. The flaws make for a compelling character for sure. There are obstacles, really. Yeah, but there is from both of them the drive to be, even if just great at their jobs, Mm -hmm. to be um, better. To be better. Yeah. And I like that. 
Yeah. I, I mean, that's always going to give you something more compelling. It's got, And this is why it's not a dark comedy. Because it's got right. some heart. Right. Yeah. I'm glad that you disagreed with the dark part of that, too. Because I'm just like, no. Yeah, that was a great point. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and yours as well. So that's a pass for characters? Yeah, big time. Awesome. What do you have for Platt, the purple card? Uh, the young, old comedian... Wait. <laughs> oh, wait. Your handwriting becomes the barrier here. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> I wrote it in longhand, so I didn't catch up with what I was trying to really, communicate. Really, I see first. pictures from here. <laughs> yeah, I, was try, I can't do hearts. and for, I said heart, so I started working on a heart. Oh, but yeah. Which, that's all. I can't do it. Oh, I see. Oh, that's, that's right. I've seen that. I do. My hearts are in cursive. They're wrong. <laughs> yeah. No, that's... I'm, you know, I never practice. It's fair. Yes. All right. You can't be a female and not know how to draw a heart. Like, that's what we spend all of our adolescence yeah, doing. Totally. Like, <laughs> when you were heart. doing that in elementary school, I was doing, like, pictures from movies of guys shooting at each other or action scenes. Mm, that's <laughs> probably likely, yeah. <laughs> um, the plot mm-hmm. going forward, the arc that I'm expecting, yeah. is the uh, dichotomy yeah. of these two personas. Mm-hmm. Uh, the young comedian the old comedian the old bull uh teaching the younger up-and-comer yeah uh, about the business about life and she's probably going to be learning a lot from the younger comedian also uh there will be wins and losses you know career highs and lows yeah there will be fiery feuds um personal i think personal uh lives will converge Mm -hmm. in kind of the b stories that will have ripple effects through the a story yeah um so i don't think it's going to be clean i don't think it's going to be neat and tidy it's a uh buddy comedy but it's a buddy comedama (laughs) as it were uh so it's going to be there will be hardships that these characters face but i think they will grow together and i think we're going to grow with them and enjoy the relationship growing as they go through the career stuff that they're working on in the A story uh, and the B story is going to be what's going on in their personal lives. Yeah. So I put that they are going to probably continue workshopping jokes together. I'm really hoping so because that was just so delightful. I really enjoy seeing that evolution. Um, And that's kind of one of the things I look forward to when you look at like... mm, you had mentioned that her being in entertainment was kind of a genre, kind of the entertainment genre, showbiz. if you will, that I really like. Yeah, showbiz is a drama. Because, um, I mean, I guess you see it with art in general to me, um, that you see part of the process and that it it becomes the thing you adore about the show is mm-hmm. to be a part of the part that's not the finished product. Um, anyway, so I think that there's going to be a lot of that. And um, I think that we're going to see Deborah's personality and experience kind of shining through and you know getting rid of the old tired jokes and um she'll benefit from ava's instinct for just natural comedic material i don't think deborah will ever get out of the spotlight or want to be out of the spotlight uh but no did i say that no okay sorry nope um excuse me Uh, i don't think she will ever want to get out of the spotlight but i'm hoping that she is willing to share the spotlight and I think that will be a source of some of the conflict between them. Yeah. Um, and I think there will be times where it's like, it's all, it'll be like a, it's kind of like a Jesse Pinkman, Walter White scenario, yeah. but I hope it's more redeeming than that. 
um, where where she doesn't end up being the villain who who's always too rough on the on the uh, young up and comer, you know, yeah. the young person kind of following her. But they're two strong women. At, they're two strong people individually, right? And when mm-hmm. you come together, it's like you're having two A types. So they don't. They don't yin and yang each other. Yeah. They're going to be competing for space. Yeah. I hope there's a whole relationship here in which Deborah is willing to share the spotlight a little mm-hmm. bit with uh, Ava, who she can help excel into greatness. Yeah. I almost wonder if it, it, like I was trying to think of a way that it would be a literal thing like that, because their chemistry is just so good and the riffing off of each other yeah. is so good. Like to see that on stage somehow would be really cool. I just, you know, I can't think of a comedy format that I'm familiar with that would put both of them, you know, on stage insulting mm-hmm. each other, you know, kind of like an epic rap battles, an epic comedy battle where you just insult each other. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just, I can't think of what that would be, but no, we're critics seeing them both. Right. I know this is why I'm not creating other shows. Yeah, no, but there's, I, I feel like there's really something to that chemistry that that's going to be what carries us through for sure. Uh, so I think, I think the plot, what I'm expecting is, uh, clear enough. Yeah. Same. Uh, where's the relationship going? I think I have, I think I can make some assumptions based on what they've given us so far. Uh, which brings us to the hook. So, I'm sorry. You thought that was successful? Yes. Okay, I agree. I thought that was successful. Which brings us to the hook. Uh, the hook? Are you hooked? And I if am so, hooked. What cooked you? Oh, hot damn. Yeah, this will be another uh, HBO match. I mean, like, it's not going to keep me necessarily for long because I'll, you know, binge it and whatever. <laughs> yeah, short. Yeah, you'll have it done by next time. Yeah, right. By Sunday. By next week. Oh, yeah, that's by this too week. short. Mm. I still have some cheers to get through. I'm in the final season. <laughs> Off to Frasier after that. Um, oh, nice. I know. Yeah, so, yeah, I could see it being an easy binge. And honestly, uh, the big part of the draw was that chemistry. Um, just seeing those two yeah, argue was really fun. Um, it kind of reminds me of just those, sh- like, romantic comedies where, you know, they're drawn together by their hate, almost hatred of each other. <laughs> like, yeah. There's something just so appealing about that dynamic and so compelling about them kind of working out whatever that difference is to work together. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm interested to see, you know, the evolution of their working relationship. Uh, I was also hooked. I watched like three episodes in a row. Oh, did then, you? When did you watch it? Uh, I don't know. Maybe a month ago. I, you know, I'm over 30. That's not a fair question. <laughs> Sometime within the last year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or last eight months, certainly since October. Elisa was living with me at this time, so I don't know, like a month ago. <laughs> <Two>. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? You go from one month to two months so fast, and then you think, where's the time go? It's like, ah, oh, in the vortex that's consumed the last 30 years. I got yeah, it. Absolutely. Yeah, not sure. Uh, my hook was the same. I'm excited by the odd couple Kamadama angle. <laughs> Kamadama. All right. Um, well, cool. I mean, it's not tropey. Yeah. But it's a familiar. It's familiar. Yeah, absolutely. It's familiar while avoiding the tropes. Mm. Right. Yep. So it's so we got the uh, odd couple, buddy comedy of sorts. It's going to be a lot of friction. It's going to be a lot of fun. But that's what you're coming there for is to see these two button heads and working it out. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. So that was a pass. Yeah. Down the line. Woohoo. Another reason to keep HBO Max. I don't know where it goes. The next couple episodes, um, uh, 
I don't want to say they continued to surprise me. They kept me engaged. That's good. Yeah. So I think it'll probably be a quick... You'll have it finished before I do, even though I started it several months Shocking. before you did. Shocking. <laughs> but I'm excited to see what you think about it on the whole. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'm very excited to get through it. Cool. Okay. What are we doing next week? Next week, I've got His Dark Materials on our list. We kind of spaced it out from, I can't remember, was it Shadow and Bone we were trying to space yeah. it from? Uh-huh. Um, and I'm excited because having seen the, you know, I think it's two seasons. I don't know. Whatever they've got out there. I've seen all of the ser- this series, what they've got out there today, and it's really good. I was going to so. say, I don't mean to spoil the ending of next week's episode, but I've seen the pilot of this. The first episode, I think, is mm-hmm. all I've seen, and it's really good. Yeah. Really, really good. I mean, it's a beautiful piece of like visual art. It's it pretty really stunning. It really is. Yeah. Absolutely. But, but is the pilot effective as a pilot? Just because we think it's great doesn't it's probably I probably spoiled the ending. Sorry, yeah. everybody. I mean, hey, you can hear why we think it's great. I mean, if you're just coming for the actual score, I'm happy to just post that in the show notes and keep moving on. You know, <laughs> it's a lot of time to waste for a single answer. <laughs> uh, let's put it this way. Yeah. If somebody out there, I think this is pretty easy to say that that's going to be a successful pilot. And if somebody thinks we're wrong, send us some hate mail about it. We'll read it. We'll read it. Fuck it. We'll do it live. We'll read it live. Fuck it. We'll do it live. <laughs> All right, thanks for coming in to listen to us talk to you. If you want to see the rest of our, and by see, I mean, if you want to listen to the rest of our podcast, please go to pilotspodcast.com or find our podcast anywhere podcasts can be found, such as Spotify, for instance, which is my preferred platform to watch it on. Spotify doesn't give us money for saying that, but they should. Otherwise, I'm going to stop (laughs) saying that. Uh, go to Twitter at Pilots the Pod, which is ridiculous, but that's where you'll find us. Go to Instagram at Pilots the Podcast and Facebook at Pilots the Podcast. Please engage with us. Send us an email, Pilots the Podcast at gmail.com. That's Pilots Podcast at gmail.com. Or find us in the yellow pages. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I want an ad in the yellow pages. Can we do that? <laughs> Actually, that would be very funny. Just to say we did it. Yeah. Then you can include it. Oh, that's the reason you would do it. (laughs) Get back at this. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be the only reason I ever save a phone book, let me tell you. (laughs) Because you're in it? Yeah, I'll (laughs) autograph it. For the first time. (laughs) Once upon a time, everybody was in it. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. Can't find me, suckers. I don't have a landline. All right, let's get out of here. It's late. See you soon. I'm Riker. And I'm Shmi. And this is Pilots.